Welcome to Passion Life Church. You may be seated. Can we just thank the musicians and singers? How many people thought that was some of the most incredible praise and worship? Absolutely fantastic. And I just want to honor uh, Phil and Valerie and just, uh, just Pastor Phil, Pastor Valerie, what you guys have done in uh, just over five years is amazing. And uh, we need more Passion Life churches around the place. So I'm believing that expansion, expansion and increase and increase is going to be over you guys. Amen. Amen. Well, fantastic to be with you guys. You probably will notice I have a German name, but uh, speak with an Aussie accent. And it got worse because I was in Australia last week. So please forgive me. If, if, if I speak too fast, just raise your hand and, and I'll try and slow down. If you need an interpreter, uh, there are some C3 people here who can provide interpretation. Uh, fantastic. But I'm believing God. I was, I was kind of praying what to bring to the conference. And I already love the name of your church. And I love the name, I love the, your, your great pastors and leaders. And I, I really felt the Holy Spirit say that this was going to be a word that was just going to kind of set the weekend for you. So the title of my message tonight is Dethroning Kings. Dethroning Kings. I was so, so uh, blessed just to hear. Uh, you know, Pastor Phil continually talk about the kingdom of God, finding your destiny, finding your gifting, finding your place in the kingdom of God. Because how many people know as Christians, we, we, we occupy two spaces. We occupy two spaces. Man, God made man in his image and his likeness. God has angels in heaven. And the angels are spiritual beings and they have a, they have a, a spiritual uh, expression, but they, they don't have a natural expression. God created the animals, and the animals are, are natural beings, but they don't have a spiritual expression. But man, when God made man, he made him from the same substance as the rest of creation. He made man from the dust of the earth, but he <sighs> breathed into man <sighs> a spirit so that we can have a spiritual existence because you were created to live between two dimensions because you were created to bring two dimensions together. So you and I live in a fallen world, but we also are born again into the kingdom of God. Uh, you, you don't have to be Einstein. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to recognize the world is jacked up. The world is a mess. The reason the world is a mess is because it severed itself from God thousands of years ago in a garden. And still to this day, the seed of rebellion flows through fallen human beings. And so that's why we have crime. Uh, that's why we have murder rates. That's why we have, you know, all kinds of calamities, all kinds of uh, evil and oppression and injustice. But you and I are here. God's plan is the church. God's plan is the church. God's plan is you. God's plan is you. And so God wants to work out the kingdom of God in you. Jesus said this in Matthew eleven twelve. 12. He said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. Forceful men lay hold of it. I found that the, the kingdom of God is, is, is not a passive place. It's not a passive place. 
the scripture I just quoted, Matthew eleven twelve, I quoted from the NIV. The New King James puts it this way. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And the violent take it by force. The saddest thing about, about the modern church is that the devil is more violent than the church. The devil is more aggressive at robbing you, at taking your kids, at taking your peace, destroying your marriage, destroying your finances, destroying your family than we are at fighting for our cities. But, but God is raising up a new generation. And thank God, Passion Life Church is part of that new generation. So come with me in your Bibles. It's all good. But let's just go to the book of Joshua chapter 12. We're going to land somewhere. Joshua chapter 12, verse 7. It's also great to... Uh, be traveling this evening with uh, one of the great powerhouses in the kingdom of God, Pastor Lucas Connell. Lucas, can you give everyone a wave? This is Lucas Connell. I believe he's going to be here in September. What date in September? September 8th. Can I just encourage you? September 1st. September 1st is a Sunday to invite people. He is one of the most powerful speakers from Down Under who now lives in San Diego. And uh, his freedom weekends are just rocking the world. And so you, you'll come one way, but you'll leave some way different. So if you know anybody who feels like they've hit a wall or hit a ceiling or just kind of snagged by life, that's the weekend. Invite them. Tell them that you've got an Aussie comedian if they're not a church person because they'll be laughing and then realize, hang on a minute, he's preaching with some power. They'll be laughing all their way to the altar and their lives will be changed. So mark that one in your calendar, September 1st. Bring people, Passion Life Church. It's going to be amazing. But I'm not sure if you've got your Bibles. Uh, Joshua chapter 12, verse 7 says this. And it's going to be gripping. After I read this, you're going to think, man, that's all I needed. I can go home just after that. But I'm going to break it down a little bit anyway. It says, Joshua chapter 12, verse 7 says, And these are the kings of the country which Joshua and the children of Israel conquered on this side of the Jordan. On the west from Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon and as far as Mount Halak, and the ascent of Seir, which Joshua gave to the tribes of Israel as a possession according to their divisions, in the mountain country, in the lowlands, in the Jordan plain, in the slopes, in the wilderness, and in the south, the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, Mozzibites, Marmites, Vegemites, and all the other rites. So let's have a look at it. It says, the king of, verse 9 says, the king of Jericho won. The king of Ai, which is beside Bethel, one. The king of Jerusalem, one. The king of Hebron, one. The king of Jarmuth, one. The king of Lachish, one. The king of Eglon, one. The king of Gezer, one. Hang on, it gets even better. The king of Debir, one. The king of Geder, one. The king of Horma, one. The king of Arad, one. I mean, gripping stuff, isn't it? Movies are made from stuff like this. The king of Libna, one. The king of Adullam, one. The king of Makeda, one. The king of Bethel, one. The king of Tapua, one. The king of Hefer, one. The king of Aphek, one. The king of Lasharon, one. The king of Madon, one. The king of Hazor, one. I mean, gripping stuff, isn't it? Keeps going. The king of Shimron Meron, one. The king of Akshvas, one. The king of Tanakh, one. The king of Megiddo, one. The king of Kedesh, one. The king of Jokniam in Carmel, one. The king of Dor in the heights of Dor, one. The king of the people of Gilgal, one. The king of Terza, one. 
all the kings, 31. What a magnificent passage of Scripture. How many people right there, I could go home right now. That, that just blessed my soul. I, I like this because it, uh, it, it kind of pre- uh, presents a, a problem for 21st century theology. 21st century theology, for, for whatever reason, has put an overemphasis on the sovereignty of God. So we have this mindset that if it's God's will, it's just automatically going to happen. That, that somehow you and I were just kind of sidelined spectators and everything that happens on our planet is God's will. And yet, when I read my Bible, I find that that's not the case from Genesis to Revelation. In fact, even Jesus taught the disciples to pray. He says, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come, they will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because how many people know that, that in heaven God's will is done? How many people know in heaven God's will doesn't even have a 100% track record? Because Lucifer in heaven said, not thy will, my will be done. If you read Isaiah 14, five times he says, I will lift my throne above the throne of God. I will sit on the, the heights. I will be like the most high. I will. He had five I wills. And the reason he lost his place in heaven is because heaven is heaven because only one will is done, the will of God. So he lost his place. So he was cast to the earth. And if you think in the earth there are only two wills in play, you're mistaken. All you've got to do is have kids. And you realize, oh dear, there are 7.6 billion wills in play on planet Earth. And for God's will to be done, because where His will is done, there His kingdom comes. How do you know if you're in God's kingdom? It's, it's very simple. Are you operating in your will or His will? And so God says to the children of Israel, I'm going to lead you out of Egypt, out of bondage, into a land flowing with milk and honey into a good and large land, a land that I've picked out, I've sought out this land. You're going to be blessed in that land. You're going to love that land. But when they crossed the Jordan and entered the land, guess what? There were giants, there were kings occupying the territory that God had allotted to Joshua. You need to understand something about your Old Testament. The Old Testament is a a picture reality of New Testament spiritual truth. Whatever is a reality in the natural in the Old Testament is a reality in the New Testament in the spiritual, which which tells me that God's promises and God's blessings for you and I to walk in will have the requirement of dethroning some kings. Dethroning some principalities, dethroning some powers. We, we live in a world where there is poverty. We live in a world where there is injustice. We live in a world where there is attack on marriage and attack on family, attack on... We live in a world where there is sickness and disease. But guess what? You and I have an assignment to bring the kingdom of God to earth. Thy kingdom come. They will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many people know there's no disabled parking in heaven? Now, I'm really sorry if you're enjoying that here. You're not going to get that in heaven. In heaven, there's, there's no walking canes. In heaven, there's no guide dogs. 
In heaven, there's no sickness, no disease, no oppression, no violence, no torment, none of that. In he- heaven is a happy place. Heaven is a place full of joy. Heaven is a place full of laughter. Heaven is a place full of life forevermore. And Jesus says that we don't have to wait till we die to experience heaven. Our job right here, right now is to bring heaven to earth. Can I just encourage you, this place will be packed when Murrieta begins to discover that there is a house that understands that the house of God, the church of God, is not just a place where the saints gather on a Sunday, but it is none other than the gate of heaven. That there is a ladder set up on the earth, into heaven, that there are angels ascending and descending upon it, that there are interactions between this realm and a supernatural realm, between the third dimension and the fourth dimension. There is a place where miracles flow. There's a place where power throws. I'm here to tell you tonight that whatever you walked in with, you don't got to walk out with. I'm here to tell you tonight that a reality and an experience that you can have is of a supernatural God doing supernatural things to bring supernatural breakthrough to your life. But you need to understand that it's not a coincidence that there are 31 days, seven months of the year have 31 days and there just happens to be 31 kings. I found that the battle is daily. Anybody, anybody ever discover that? It's like every day there seems to be a new battle. Every day there seems to be, you know, something with one of the kids or something with the finances or, you know, the transmission goes on the car that was this week. I mean, there's always something. Ever, ever notice there's always something? There's always something. There's always resistance. Can, can, I, can I also just suggest to you that the level of persecution, the level of attack that the enemy has measured out to you is directly proportionate to the level of destiny that you carry. The the level of, because you need to understand that God is omnipotent, but the devil's not. The devil, the devil, the devil is finite. He's, He's a created being. He can only be in one place at one moment. Therefore, he, he must be incredibly strategic in his attack. If he's attacking you, smile. Because if you weren't carrying nothing, he wouldn't bother because he ain't got time to mess with people that ain't carrying. If God didn't have something for you, he wouldn't be attacking you. If he didn't see that God was trying to bring something through the heavens into your world, he... If the devil is attacking, his attack is directly proportionate to the fact that you are carrying something of significance in your life. So I've found that the the, the devil's attacks come in and they, they can come in daily, but we don't need to be afraid of that because the Bible says put on the whole armor of God. Now I love that because... For many years, when, when you know, I'd hear about prayer being taught, and how many people know that prayer is important? You need to understand there are two facets of, facets of prayer. The first facet of prayer is, is uh, intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. But when Paul says, put on the whole armor of God, you don't need, you don't need uh, protection to be intimate with God. He doesn't have anything you're going to catch. You don't need protection. The the armor is not for the presence of God. It's the second facet of prayer because there's a dimension of prayer where you take ground in prayer. Everything that we have, we've gotten through prayer. 
The Bible says the prayer of faith shall save the sick, not the prayer of sincerity. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. There's a, there's a frequency in prayer that unlocks the miraculous. And that frequency is the frequency of faith. And so, so I've discovered that I need to put on the whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, feet shod with the preparation, shield of faith, sword of the Spirit, because I understand that, that, that I need to be taking territory, that, that I need to push back. The most beautiful thing is that every single one of these kings, God has already decreed their demise. The Bible says in the book of Colossians that when Jesus rose from the dead, he not only conquered the devil, he triumphed over him, humiliating him as a public spectacle, triumphing over him through the cross. The, the words the apostle Paul uses in the book of Colossians is whenever a conquering army would go out and they would conquer a region or territory, often they would keep the mighty men, the warriors, the men of renown alive, but they would, they would hamstring them or, 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 or badly beat them and then they would tie them and they would drag them behind their chariots and all the town would come out to hear that, that, that their nation had conquered this new region and they would see these men who struck fear into the hearts of the citizenry and now they see them groveling. They see them being dragged and humiliated. The Bible says that's exactly what Jesus did in the spirit realm to the devil. I want you to know the devil is defeated. Jesus defeated the devil. When Jesus rose from the dead, He rose with the keys of death, with the keys of hell, conquering death, conquering hell. In fact, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Just a couple of years earlier, the devil showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, all these have been delivered to me and I give them to whoever I like. If you will bow down to me, I'll give them to you. And Jesus is like, I ain't bowing to you, but I will take them from you. Come on, how many people thank God that Jesus didn't bow? He went, he went through a crucifixion. He went through a crucifixion because he was rescuing. He wasn't just taking geography. Come on, he was rescuing souls. Somebody had to be the lamb. Somebody had to be the lamb slain to wash away the sins of mankind. He wasn't just coming for a geographical earth. He was coming for the planet and he was coming for the people that occupy the planet. God always desired and designed man to have dominion over the earth for you and I to occupy territory. I want you to know good news tonight. The devil is defeated. Every area, every area. You're not praying to God from a place of defeat into victory, you're, play, you're praying from a place of victory. The devil has been defeated. I was in, uh, in Hotlanta, Georgia recently, and uh, a beautiful gentleman came forward at the altar at the end, and, and, uh, and I said, how can I pray for you, sir? And I, it was just kind of open, and the power of God was moving. And he said, uh, you know, would you pray for my cancer? And I thought, oh, you know, as soon as I heard the C word, cancer, I'm like, oh, shoot, that's, that's kind of serious. And so I went to pray for him. The Holy Spirit said, don't pray for him. I'm like, whoa. And, uh, and he's like, please, you know, would you pray for my cancer? And I'm like, oh, God, it's important. And I went to pray, and the Holy Spirit again said, don't pray for him. I'm like, Holy Spirit, it's serious. 
cancer kills people, now behave. And I went to pray again. He says, you know, don't pray for him because God's not a thief. And I said, what do you mean by that? He said, he's been prayed for many times. I said, sir, have you been prayed for? He goes, many times. And then the Holy Spirit said, God's not a thief. Did you hear his language? He said, will you pray for my cancer? Can I just tell you, God didn't give him cancer because God doesn't have any to give it. You can't give somebody something you ain't got. The Bible says, 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes you were healed. So God says, I've given him healing. But he's chosen to elevate the words of the doctor over the word of God. So he says, will you pray for my cancer? I have cancer. Actually, sir, in the spiritual realm, you have healing. So I, I said to the, the gentleman, you've got to make a decision right now. If you, want to, if you want the cancer, keep confessing. Knock yourself out. I have cancer. Knock yourself out. But if you want things to shift, and I believe that's why you're on this altar. I wasn't just trying to be, you know, fiddle around with semantics. I said, if you want healing right now, you need to line up your words. See, the place of agreement is the place of power. The place of agreement is the place of power where two or more agreed, the place of agreement. Children know this. Mama says no candy before dinner. Dad is watching the news. Kid knows, don't bother asking mama. She already put the law out there, no candy before dinner. So let's just slip over here to dad who's watching the news. Dad, can I have some candy? Yeah, sure, whatever you want to. And we're watching the TV. The next minute, mom is mad at dad. Did you tell them, oh, I was just watching the, I was watching the news. Because kids know that if you can break agreement, there, there's a breakdown of authority. So you have to make a decision, which word are you lining up with? Satan, we're all in this mess because Satan said, has God really said? God knows the day. He gets them to agree over here and they lose that over there. So the whole battle is coming back into alignment with the Word of God. As soon as this gentleman began to weep and began to say, you're right, you're right. The doctors have told me I have cancer, but the Word tells me I have healing. I have healing. I have healing. Man, I'm telling you, I, I barely touched him and the power of God went through him like electricity. And then maybe about three or four weeks later, I got an email that his body that was so full of cancer, they cannot find one cell of cancer in his body. We're here to bring people out of darkness. Come on, somebody, into the kingdom of God. So let me give you a couple of quick, quick thoughts. The second point that I have is that God's promises aren't automatic. They have to be activated. God's promises aren't automatic. They have to be activated. Jesus says, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, how many people know if I give my kids the keys to the car, they know what that means? If you give someone the, the keys to your home, they, they know that means access. The Bible says, Jesus speaking, behold, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Can I tell you, it's not a decorator item. It's not just something to put on your coffee table as a little conversation piece. When people come over, what's that? Oh, keys to the kingdom. 
What do you do with them? Well, we just bring them out just to brag a little. What do you use them for? We don't really use them. You know, you're not meant to just kind of wear it as a chain. Dude, what's on your chain? Keys to the kingdom. It's jewelry. How many of you know that if Jesus gave you keys to the kingdom, he, he gave you access? He gave you access. You can experience as much or as little heaven on earth as you choose because you've got the keys in your hand. Jesus says, behold, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth, bound in heaven, heaven's going to back you up. Whatever you loose, whatever you release on earth will be loosed in heaven. Heaven's going to back you up. Heaven is waiting on you to move. We're always waiting on God to move. God's like, no, no, when you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And we're like, God, draw near. He's like, no, 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 no. We're part of, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Do you not understand? You will find me when you, when you seek for me with all your heart. In other words, when you move, God moves. You step out. You step out and God steps with you. Launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. How many of you know Jesus could have just whistled and the fish could have come from the lake and jumped into the boat? But they didn't. They had to launch out and then God brought them the fish. You have to move first. God did all the moving 2,000 years ago. He's like, it's your turn. Tag, you're it. It's your turn to move. So I found, I found that the kingdom of God requires activation. The, the, the promises of God are not automatic. They, 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 they require activating. Uh, I love the story of Jesus. He's going to the house of Jairus, who's the ruler of the synagogue, and he has a 12-year-old daughter who, who is at death's door, and uh, you know, it's not a good report. And so he comes to Jesus, and he says, Lord, please would you heal my daughter? And Jesus said, I'm coming. So Jesus is on his way. As he's on his way, the Bible says there is a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. For, for 12 years, uh, she, she, she has not been able to go into the temple. She's not been able to, to uh, go about her work because of this, this bleeding. It's embarrassing. It's humiliating. It's depleting. She's anemic. She's weak. The Bible says she spent everything that she had trying to, to get healed suffered many things that all the physicians, instead of getting better, has gotten worse, and now she's broke. But when she heard about Jesus, the Bible says she came behind him in the crowd, and she said within herself, if only I may touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Your faith is activated by your confession. In fact, can I even dig down a little bit deeper? Your faith is revealed by your confession. It's hard to buy a home in San Diego. It's quite expensive, isn't it? Murrieta, Temecula, prices going up. It's hard for young people. Jobs are hard to come, but money don't grow on trees. Whatever your confession is, there your faith is. The greatest revealer of your faith is the confession of your, your mouth. She said, if only I may touch him, if only I may touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. She comes behind him in the press. The Bible says the crowd is thronging. They're pressing on Jesus so that he's almost being crushed. And then all of a sudden Jesus stops and says, who touched me? And the disciples are like, are you kidding me? Everyone, everyone, everyone's touching you. He's like, I'm not talking about thronging. 
I'm not talking about pouring or grabbing. Somebody touched me because I felt power flow from me. One of the translations says, I felt virtue leave. Virtue is, is pure, power so pure. It's pure and it's power. He says, I felt, I felt my holiness. I felt my righteousness. I, I felt power flow out of me into somebody who touched me. Everyone was pressing. Everyone was thronging. But one woman had faith. And when the Bible says the woman realized it would not go undiscovered, she just said, it was me. It was me. And the whole crowd parts. And there she is. It was me. It was me. And Jesus says, oh, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Because she said, as soon as I touched you, something flowed from you into me and immediately I was healed. Can I just tell you, Jesus has power. He has power to heal, but He's looking for faith. Faith is the magnet that draws the power of God out. The most beautiful thing is that Faith doesn't come from this world. It doesn't come from college. It doesn't come from university. Faith only comes from one place, the Word of God. And I've got to tell you, you, you you're a blessed people because you have a wordsmith over here. You have a great Bible teacher and a Bible preacher that every Sunday when you walk into this house, your faith level is going to rise. He's going to put faith on the inside of you to attract the power of God to bring the supernatural and the miraculous into your life. See, what I love about this is this woman literally stole a miracle. Because Jesus was on his way to heal somebody else. He had no intention of healing this woman. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. Just because it wasn't his intent doesn't mean it wasn't his desire. Just because he wasn't intending to heal her doesn't mean he took it. He was like, no, I love you. Girl, I like your faith. Bam. Let's. Mark, get over here. Write that down. Luke, you put it in there too. They put it in the Bible. He wanted everybody to read it. Because sometimes, well, I'm just not sure if it's God's will. She wasn't like, I don't know. She just, I'm touching him. I'm getting healed. There's power in that boy. And that power can make me whole. Now, the Bible says by the time this commotion is, is over, Somebody comes from the ruler of the synagogue's house. And I'm, I'm going to land in, in a second because I, I feel to just pray for breakthrough tonight. But the Bible says somebody comes from the house and this is what they do. They come over and they say, Jairus, don't trouble the teacher any further. Your daughter is dead. D-E-D, -E -D, dead. Your daughter is dead. It's over. Game over. I trouble the teacher any further. And I like Jesus. The Bible says, Jesus, immediately upon hearing, turns to Jairus and says, don't be afraid. Only believe and she shall be made whole. I like that. Because Jesus is like, you little scallywag. Why trouble the teacher? Now, how many people know that Jesus was a great teacher? But don't limit him. Don't, don't, don't put a ceiling over him that... You know, well, I believe that Jesus was, you know, one of the great teachers of history. When we pontificate over the millennia, we've had wonderful teachers, Buddha, Muhammad, Confucius, Plato, Jesus, Galileo, Copernicus. In fact, they're all wonderful teachers, all bringing instruction to enrich our lives and 
I believe that the fabric of society today is in Jesus like, excuse me. I do teach, but don't, 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 don't you go be putting ceilings calling me just a teacher. I'm more, how many people thank God that he's more than a teacher? So he turns to Jairus and he says, do not be afraid, only believe. Because how many people know that when you hear a negative report, that, that it can stir up fear? The Bible says that God has not given you a spirit of which tells me something interesting because we are told, we are conditioned, we are brainwashed to believe that fear is an emotion. But the Bible never calls it an emotion. The Bible says it's a spirit. And God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. One of love, power, and a sound mind. Therefore, whenever I feel fear, I make a decision. Fear, you don't get a seat at the table. You don't get a vote on what we're doing. Now, I had somebody tell me, well, I think that's incredibly silly because it's fear that keeps me from jumping off a cliff. And the answer to that is wisdom. <laughs> wisdom will also tell you don't jump off a cliff. And wisdom and faith are buddies. Wisdom and faith are siblings. Wisdom and faith are synergized. Wisdom and faith are partners. Wisdom and faith work together. You don't have to have fear to balance your faith. No, no, you have wisdom and faith go hand in hand. So Jesus says to him, don't go to fear, go to faith. When you get a negative doctor's report, because doctors have an authority, it's easy to go to fear. When you're watching the news and they tell you this is happening or interest rates or, or your company is, is, is in the middle of layoffs, you, it's easy to go to fear. It's easy to go to fear. But can I encourage you at that time, make a decision. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. So you know what? Fear, you ain't getting a vote. You ain't getting a voice. You ain't getting a seat at the table. I'm going to go to faith. Now, fear is different to faith. I'm not sure if you noticed that. Fear is believing something you can't see will happen. Fear is, you know, when you're a kid, there's monsters under the bed. Don't put your feet down. They'll grab you. Fear is believing something you can't see will happen. Oh my gosh, it's a lump. It might be a tumor. Fear is believing something you can't see will happen. It's so different to faith. Have a look at faith. Faith is believing something you can't see will happen. So different to fear. Faith is believing something you can't see will happen. So different to fear. Fear is believing something you can't see will happen. So different to faith. Faith is believing something you can't see will happen. Notice, they're almost identicals. But one will attract the negative. The other will bring the kingdom of God. Make a decision. Make a decision no matter what comes your way that you're going to go to faith. Jesus says to the man, do not be afraid. Only believe and she shall be made well. When Jesus came to the tomb of Lazarus, Lazarus had been dead four days. And Jesus says to, to, to Martha, you know, he's having a conversation. And Martha says to him, you know, Lord, if only you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus says, well, I am here now. And in case you forgot, I am the resurrection. Where I go, resurrection follows. Just saying. And so Jesus says, roll away the stone. She says, Lord, please, no, no. By now there is a stench. He has been dead four days. 
And he goes, Martha, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? See, we live in a world that tells you that seeing is believing. The kingdom says believe and then you'll see. The kingdom says that your life, ultimately what you see in your life is what you have the courage to believe for. He says to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Now here's the truth. She she already did believe. But you know what she believed? She believed if you roll away that stone, what's going to come out of that tomb is the stench of a decomposing dead man and it's going to be humiliating and embarrassing for us as a family. Jesus says, Martha, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. In other words, Jesus came to change what you believe. Thank God that every Sunday in this location, Passion Life Church, you have pastors and leaders who bring in guest speakers but carry an anointing themselves to change what you believe. So instead of believing for the worst, instead of believing with limits, instead of believing... Jesus like, how long have you known me? Have I ever humiliated it? Roll away the stone. So they rolled away the stone. Now, how many people know that they had to roll away the stone because Jesus' words couldn't penetrate through the stone and Lazarus wouldn't be able to hear them? You guys are smarter than most crowds. Most crowds say, yeah, that's true. You know, he was dead. Dead people can't hear. Seriously, you go up to a dead corpse and just call them names. They can't say anything. You, you got a big fat forehead. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. They can't hear you. So it wasn't like, you had, well, I believe you had to roll away the stone because like the stone was like blocking his presence. And just as Superman had kryptonite, that shut down his powers in the same way. The stone shut down the power of God. I feel like I'm short-circuiting here, Peter. Roll away. How many people know that Jesus could have rolled his own stone away? Jesus' power was unlimited by a stone. So why would he say roll the stone away? Because Jesus was looking for his power to have a landing point. Jesus' power, he, he knows I've got power to heal. When, when, when a man comes to him, when Jesus come down from the mountain, he says, my son has epilepsy. A demon seizes him, throws him in the fire, throws him into the water. Many times it's tried to drown him, sometimes tried to burn him. He's got little scars. Please, if you can do anything, if you can do anything, have mercy on my son. Jesus said, if I can do anything, if I, I know I can do anything. That's not the issue here. If you can believe, all things are possible. And he says, Lord, I do believe, help my unbelief. And Jesus immediately cast out the demon. See, Jesus knows he's got power. But he's always looking for faith, for the place to direct his power. So he says, roll away the stone so that my power... It's like a heat-seeking missile that goes out and looks to land at faith. So he says to Jairus, do not be afraid, only believe, and she shall be made well. 
you know, the story comes into the home, puts everybody out. He says, why are you weeping? Why make this commotion? She's not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn. They mocked him, knowing she was dead. Until Jesus took her by the hand and said, Talitha Kumai, little girl, I said, you arise. And then they walked out together. Sorry, what were you saying about? Yeah, exactly. And uh, come on, how many people know you? Sometimes you can be. I want you to know Jesus came to shift some things. Come on, let's, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, thank you tonight. Things are about to shift in this house. Things are about to shift in this place. Things are about to break through in this place in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Phil and Valerie, can you stand up? Just stretch your hands out towards your beautiful pastors. Towards your beautiful pastors. Hold, hold hands, guys. I, I, just hear, I just hear the Holy Spirit saying that uh, this is your sixth year, I think you, you, you shared. Six is the number of man. Six is the number of man. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say for six years, there, there has been moments of exhaustion, moments of frustration, moments where, where you feel like you've pushed and you've labored. And, and I feel the Holy Spirit saying you're about to step into a season where there's fresh oil, where there's new anointing, that this next chapter, this next chapter will be nothing like the first six years. The first six years, literally, it felt like you were rolling a stone only to have it roll, and you had to roll it, and it was rolling six years of, but you're about to step into another dimension now. You're about to step into the God dimension, and what took six years, you're going to find is going to happen in one year. The growth that happened in six is going to happen in the next one year because there's fresh oil and there's fresh anointing. And the Lord would say, I am pleased with you, servants. I am pleased with you, son. I am pleased with you, daughter, because you have chosen, you have purposed, you have intended because I've watched you and I've seen the struggle. You have not changed your scripture. You have not changed your theology and you have not changed your narrative to, to justify and to appease the struggle. Instead, you have taken the struggle but you have kept your theology that with God all things are possible, that this is the house of God. Anything can happen and probably will happen. The reason it resonates in your spirit is because God is putting keys to unlock this next chapter. This whole valley, this whole region doesn't need more people that appease uh, uh, brokenness and appease dysfunction and appease dilemma. You're, you're going to be one that brings faith. God is putting faith in the valley. He's putting a David down who says, who is this uncircumcised? Let me go. I will go and fight this Philistine. The, the same God who was with me with the lion and the bear is the same God who will deliver. And I just see God has brought you now to such a time as this. This next year, in fact, God says, even throw out almost like the memory of the last six years, because this next year, you're going to see, and it's almost going to be people like, man, what are you doing? And you're going to almost scratch your head for an answer. Because, but the Lord would say, it's because of the six years that you've sown and the six years of frustration. Sometimes God has to bring us to the end of ourselves, where, where we think with this marketing or with this strategy or with this gifting or with this promotion or with this location or with this, we, we, we put our faith in, in all of these things because it looks like it's working in other places, but it's not what this city needs. It's not great marketing. It needs an encounter with God. What this, what this place needs is it's not the great right location. Here's what I say. If you're preaching faith that unlocks heaven, people will... will drive across mountains. They'll, they'll run through rattlesnake-infested territory just to get to that house, a house of breakthrough and a house of miracles. And I see a house of breakthrough and a house of miracles. You know, Valerie, and again, I don't know, I don't know anything, but I hear God telling me to tell you uh, 
the, the home, the dream, the home, the home that he's providing, he's providing, he's providing, he's providing. I'm not sure where you live right now, but in Valerie's heart, uh, this kitchen, uh, I just, and God wants you to know he's got it, sweetie. When you move from, from Texas to here in obedience with your husband, God wants you to know he's going to pay your school fees. He's going to pay your school fees. You don't got to pay them. He's, pay, he's your papa. He's paying your school fees. Don't lower your desires. Don't lower your desires. Father, I thank you. If you need breakthrough tonight, I feel an anointing for breakthrough. Just stand to your feet right now. There's breakthrough in this house tonight. Breakthrough in this house tonight. Breakthrough in this house tonight. Thank you. Sir, I just, I just hear the Holy Spirit just, just telling me right now, he's, he's doing something right in your, your heart. Right in your heart. Just put your hand on your heart for me. Father, I thank you right now. The great power of God goes through. I speak to every artery and I declare it unblocked and unlocked. I declare the blood flows and circulates. No more shortness of breath. No more shortness of breath. Father, I thank you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. 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 With the white, beautiful dress. What's your name, darling? Cheryl? Just lift your hand, Cheryl. I just hear God telling me to tell you that He loves you. He loves you. And, and here's, here's what the, the Holy Spirit's saying, that you've, you've walked through a really, really dark season. And it's been a season that's been fraught with betrayal and disappointment to the point where you even began to, to, to say out loud, come on, God, where are you? Where? But God says, I was here. And these were the decisions that sadly people had made people chose the wrong and people chose but the Lord would say that do not think that my delay was my slackness delay in the kingdom always gains interest and as you look back and say God you could have stepped in here and God you could have stepped in there and God you need to understand yes God but you're going to see that God's going to come to you, pressed down, shaking together, running over, double for all your trouble. You're going to find increase and favor, and I see blessing, new life, new favor. You're about to step into a new dimension, and all of that is going to be put down to what was once education. I see breakthrough coming. I even see a debt that you're carrying that's weighing on you being canceled in the name of Jesus. The debt just being completely eradicated in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I've only got a few minutes left, but I want to pray for anybody in this room that has any kind of sickness, especially if the doctors have told you you're terminal. Now listen, God bless doctors. Doctors are an authority, but they're not the final authority. Because come on, how many people know our Bible says all authority? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So, so God bless the doctors. You know, we, we've been there. The doctors told us to abort our, our fourth child. We have three sons and my little princess, Zoe. Zoe was a gift from God, a promise from God. But the doctors told us that there were all kinds of things wrong with her that unless we wanted to have a severely disabled child, that we, we, we'd be best off aborting her. And I remember coming home so rattled by what the doctors said. And I went into my prayer closet and I just began to worship. And then the presence of God fell. And God said to me, James 1.17. And I'd love to tell you I knew what it was off the top of my head. I didn't have to go and look it up. But it says, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. And then God said to me, Jürgen, 
I'm still knitting her together. I haven't finished my work. When she's born, she'll be good and perfect. About 21 weeks later, she was born. And when she came out, even the doctor that was there at the second ultrasound, the 300-point ultrasound where they circled all these things and then put us into a room with three doctors, when Zoe came out, she went, oh, my God, she's perfect. And I snatched her and said, absolutely. I want you to know that the doctors are an authority, but they're not the final authority. Come on, how many people know that you and I can go to a higher opinion? You and I can go to a... We had a gentleman in our church, diagnosed terminal, six weeks to live, lymphatic cancer all through his body, six weeks to live. We won't even bother with chemo, they said. It's over. We suggest you put your house in order, say goodbye. The tests, and this is now about two months old, but all the tests, zero cancer, zero cancer, zero cancer, zero cancer, to the point where the doctors are scratching their head. God bless the doctors. They are an authority. But come on, how many people know that they're not the final authority? They're not the final authority. So if you have any sickness in your body, would you just raise your hand? I want to know who, who I'm praying for tonight. And if you're around someone that, that's, that's raising their hand, would you put your hand on them? Would you put your hand on them? Father, I thank you right now for healing. I thank you for miracles. Father, I want you to notice something, church. Passion Life Church, I want you to notice something. Nowhere in the Bible does, does Jesus ever pray to God for the sick. Jesus healed the sick. When Jesus sent the disciples out, He didn't say pray for the sick. He said heal the sick. So Father, right now, I speak to every single body and I speak to every single spirit of infirmity, every sickness, every disease, whether it's cancer, whatever it is, whatever the doctors have spoken, in the name of Jesus Christ, I declare it broken. You do as I say. Sickness, leave these bodies. I speak to these bodies and I say be healed right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Some of you will feel a warmth going right through your body right now. That's just the power of God. God is just healing you, healing you, healing you, healing you, healing you. There's a flow, there's a flow, there's a flow, there's a flow. There's somebody here and it's a circulation thing and it gives you pain, pins and needles in your feet. I'm not sure who that person is, but God is telling me right now you'll feel a warmth in your feet. He's healing your feet. Just begin to just begin to do this and you'll find that the, the pins and needles are gone and the pain is gone. Circulation is flowing again. Circulation is flowing again. Somebody else, an asthmatic condition. God is healing your lungs right now. Somebody else is a stomach condition I'm picking up. It, 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 you just have problems with, in fact, there are some foods you can't eat because it gives you reflux and God is healing that right now. So you're going to enjoy all the good things that God made. All the good things that God made in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, before I hand back, is there anybody here, you're believing for a breakthrough? Now listen, it can come in one of many ways. The breakthrough can number one be, man, we've been, we've been renters. Maybe you lost a home in the GFC and you've been reduced to renting. Maybe you, you, know, you lost your deposit or whatever, but you're believing God to, instead of having a landlord over you for you to be where the Scripture says, well, you're the head and not the tail, above only, not beneath. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. I want to pray for you. But, but I also want to pray for these two. If you're married, if you're a husband and wife, and you've been believing for a baby, but for whatever reason, it, it hasn't happened yet, 
I want you to lift your hands. I want to pray for you. And then the third one, if you have a, a son or a daughter, a brother or sister, or maybe even a ma or pa who's away from God. And I, I felt the Holy Spirit say that there's some people here and, and I, saw, I saw a loved one who are gripped by drugs and addiction, by alcohol and addiction. By you, you need to understand God is a God of breakthrough and tonight things are going to shift. So if you're one of those three categories, house, babies, or breakthrough over a, over a sibling, would you quickly raise your hand? And I want to pray over you tonight. I want to prophesy it. Father, I thank you right now. Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I release supernaturally. Father, I release provision. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and its fullness thereof. That God owns the cattle on a thousand hills as well as the thousand hills where the cattle are grazing. That It is God's good desire to give you his kingdom to give you these things. Father, I thank you right now, Lord God, that the keys, I see keys changing hands. I see titles changing hands. I see contracts changing hands. I declare that your sons and daughters are blessed in the land, that they are territory takers in the land, that they are the ones who dethrone kings, that, Lord, that you have already decreed the demise of the, and I see somebody here, you've been battling generational poverty, generational cycles of bankruptcy and poverty. I'm declaring it broken over your life. That king, you're going to dethrone that king. You're, you are the curse-breaking generation. You're going to have a title in your hand. You're going to stand on your property and say, look how good my God is. We broke the debt cycle. We broke that debt curse. We broke the curse of being evicted, and, and that's all on you. You're going to break that curse in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, right now, I pray for wombs to be fruitful. I say right now, be open and conceive and bring forth. Be fruitful and multiply in Jesus' name and devil right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I come against every hole that you have, every addiction, every cell, every chain, every shackle that you have, every hold. I come against drug addiction. I come against porn addiction. I come against gambling addiction. I come against gambling addiction. And I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, loose them and let my people go. Loose them and let God's people go. I declare Salvation comes to us and our household in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, if you believe that, give God a shout of faith. Thank you, Pastor Phil. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.